0: Welcome to the Impact 360 Institute podcast, where our goal is to explore biblical worldview and servant leadership to equip you for everyday influence.
1: Welcome back to the Impact 360 Institute podcast. The voice you're hearing is different than the voice you typically hear, uh, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But today we want to talk about what will and won't work in leading the next generation and helping them build a lasting faith. Joining me is the host of this podcast, Dr. Jonathan Morrow. Uh, Jonathan, welcome to your podcast.
0: Hey, Mitch. Great to see you over there. I'm, I'm sitting in a different seat today. So thanks, yes. for, thanks for doing this.
1: So we switched, we switched it up. So I'm in the host seat and Jonathan's in the guest seat. But you know him. Uh, Jonathan is the Director of Cultural Engagement and Student Discipleship here at Impact 360 Institute. He leads all of our programs for students. He's also the author of several books, including my favorite, Welcome to College, um, as well as Questioning the Bible, is God Just a Human Invention? He contributed to the Apologetic Study Bible for students, and um, he's married to Mandy, has three awesome kids. So Jonathan, excited to, to sit down and talk today. Yeah.
0: Man. No, it's always a great, great time when we get to hang out and talk, and we get to talk about the next generation and, and what, what will and won't work, and so happy to be here. Exactly. So we are... Uh, Excited to dig in. Over the past
1: couple of months, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that we've been talking about this brand new book from Impact Three Hundred and Sixty Institute called "No Be Live: A Three Hundred and Sixty Degree Approach to Discipleship in a Post Christian Era," edited by our friend John Basie that works here with us at the institute. Um, Jonathan has been doing those interviews, uh, and Jonathan also wrote a chapter for the book, and so we want to talk about that today. It's it's one of my favorites, and I've, I've heard Jonathan kind of work through this framework. And um, it's it's just super helpful in, in leading the next generation. So uh, Jonathan, super excited to, to talk with you. About yeah, let's do it. That. Um, the first thing that I, that I want to ask you about is when we talk about solutions, uh, it implies that there's a problem. And so we have done this Gen Z study with our friends at the Barna Group. And through that, some of what we've seen is that there is uh, this sort of what we can call moral and spiritual confusion in Gen Z Mm -hmm. around moral questions. um, You know, we've, we've seen that now 65% of Gen Z would say that many religions can lead to eternal life. Um, we've seen the one that we point to sometimes is that only 34% would say that lying is morally wrong.
0: Yeah. And that was supposed to be a softball. It right. Was like, that hey, was, the easy one that before was, we get to the tough stuff.
1: That was the starter. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this has led to something that you in the book call the crisis of knowledge. So would you just talk to that a little bit? What's, what's the problem here um, that we need to, to work on?
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mitch. You know, one of the things we see with Gen Z today's teenagers is, um, is there's just this overwhelming sense of moral and spiritual confusion and lack of confidence to talk about what they believe when it comes to God's good design for morality, for sexuality, for spiritual reality. Um, you know, as as we looked at it in our in our volume two study, um, 65% of today's teenagers, you know, agree there's more than one way to eternal life. So the default uh, for teenagers today is. This sense that Jesus isn't the only way, but we all know John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. And so to be able to have moral and spiritual clarity, you have to have moral and spiritual knowledge. And so this isn't the fault, honestly, of Gen Z. I mean, in reality, they're they're basically taking the baton that was passed on from a previous generation, which eroded the confidence in moral and spiritual truth. And underneath all that are some big cultural assumptions, which we don't always talk about, but that are there, like, for example, scientism. Scientism is the belief that only the hard sciences give us knowledge about reality. So if only the hard sciences give us knowledge about reality, guess what doesn't give us knowledge about reality? Bible, Jesus, God, um, anything like that. So it doesn't count as knowledge. And then we're seeing how Gen Z has grown up in this post-Christian environment that doesn't share the same assumptions about truth and God and morality, sexuality, gender, all of that is up for grabs today we live in a hyper personalization stage where um, gen z is basically used to curating all of their own playlists and everything else everything's micro targeted uh, to them so why wouldn't they be able to just personalize their own spiritual quest or their own moral understanding or own sexual identity or gender or anything like that and so in the midst of that, the reason why that's a problem is because knowledge is what authorizes you to act in the world. Knowledge is what gives you confidence. And Christianity is a knowledge tradition. And so one of the first things we have to do is recognize that we've got a lot of ground to make up with this next generation. And and quite frankly, all of us who are trying to lead, mentor, and disciple this next generation, because we have to get Christianity back in the realm of reality, Um, not just religion on a Sunday morning If that. So it's become very personalized and privatized, and that's not good for anybody because it's basically added to the confusion that Gen Z is experiencing as they grow up post Christian.
1: Right. That's right. One of those things that I've heard you say is that Gen Z needs less fragmentation and more integration, right? There's sort of that, there's this brittle, um, you know, thinking is for school feeling is for church kind of thing and they Mm -hmm. they don't gel and so that's that's something that we have to address absolutely well and I I appreciate so much of what you said because I you know we get to work with high school and college students at our at our programs here at, at Impact 360 and what we see is there's a desire for good things a lot of times they want to do justice they want to love their neighbor that kind of thing but there's so much spiritual and moral confusion that they don't know how to get there and then when they try to uh, a lot of times, what when they want to do justice, they don't do justice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or they want to love their neighbor, and they don't love their neighbor. Right. And it's sort of under the guise of, "Well, I, I, I'm just loving people," or you know, so mm-hmm. or love uh, is
0: love, and you get all these slogans which get thrown in there, and. And it's very different than, than the worldview Jesus had in mind when he said, love your neighbor.
1: Right. And so we get twisted versions of, of these good things. Um, so, yeah. And, and, you know, another thing I've heard you say before, Jonathan, is, you know, every generation forever has had opportunities and challenges. Yep. And we want to focus on those opportunities while being aware of the challenges so that we can meet those things. And so that that crisis of knowledge is a challenge that we have. That we have to be aware of, and I want to talk to you about um, this kind of framework—the three R's that have really worked in in leading students. Um, but you mentioned one of them. Is there anything that we've done so far that has not worked? These sort of trends that we see yeah. where that that won't speak to that crisis of knowledge.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great observation, Mitch. Because you know, anyone who works for the Next Generation you know, the vast majority have great intentions and want to see good outcomes, but good intentions don't necessarily lead to good outcomes. And so um, one of the things I identified in that chapter in our No Be Live book are three, three approaches that don't work um, as, as primary ways of forming the next generation or equipping confident followers of Jesus to live out their faith in the day-to-day life in high school and college and beyond. And the first thing is the strategy of entertainment. Entertainment. Um, we live in an entertainment culture. I mean, Neil Postman wrote about this back in the 1980s, amusing ourselves to death. You know, we have endless entertainment options today, and there's nothing wrong with good, clean fun. I love working with students. I love Gen Z, um, and we shouldn't want to make people miserable for Jesus. That's not the point. But entertainment-only strategies do not build a strong and confident faith. They don't build resilience. They don't build clarity. And what happens if we only build our ministries in our churches or and just make it fun only, then we end up kind of training them to encounter a world that they think is going to be kinder to them than it really is going to be. It's The world that's waiting on today's generation is not going to celebrate truth, goodness, beauty, God, any of those things. And so... That's one of the main things we have to think about is, is what are we preparing them for in that world? But secondly, you know, sin is fun for a season until the consequences catch up. And so a lot of times when we try to compete with the world on the entertainment fun category, we kind of lose that if that's the only one we're trying to fight in that battle because sin gives you what you think you want in the short term. Um, So entertainment, entertainment doesn't work. I'll tell you something else that doesn't work. And as a dad, I I appreciate the intuition here um, as the father, especially of two daughters as well, is the (laughs) overprotection idea. Now, there's part of me that wants to bubble wrap them and protect them all from everything bad that could possibly happen. And there's a completely legitimate and appropriate age specific sense of protection. Sure. But that can't be a winning strategy for your teenager if they if you never expose them to different ideas, if you never expose them to different challenging situations, because without resistance, there will be no growth. And without the opportunity to engage false ideas, it's hard to gain more clarity around what's true. And we want to build a strong and confident faith around what's true. So overprotection isn't going to work either. Right. And uh, and then lastly, one thing that's not going to work which is kind of, a, kind of a mode of retreat, is kind of this blind faith approach. Um, and so to use a, to use a football analogy, um, it's kind of like the quarterback is in the red jersey or the green jersey during spring practice. You can't hit them, so it's not live. And, and in many ways, what we've done when we protect Christianity with, oh, I just have faith about it. I just believe it, right? we've removed Christianity from the realm of reality. we're happy to critique other world religions and other worldviews, I guess they're in reality, but I just have my faith and I really want this to be true. And, and just to be clear, believing something doesn't make it true. Reality makes things true or false. Sincerity is not enough. And so it's really important that we take a biblical understanding that biblical faith is not blind faith. It's actually reasonable. We see this pattern in Jesus and Paul and Peter, um, Moses, Old Testament, New Testament, faith and reason work together. And so those are some approaches that don't work. The uh, kind of the entertainment model, the overprotection model, and the retreat into a blind faith, personalized, private Faith.
1: Right. And that's so helpful. And I, I think humbly we have to look at our strategy and go, where where are these things kind of creeping in or where are these th- or even, you know, where am I overtly doing the stuff where it's not working? And so, um, you know, our friend David Kinnaman, when we did the Gen Z report, said, are we is it possible that many churches are preparing students for a world that no longer exists? Mm-hmm. And that's something that we talked about. You know, some of those strategies are preparing students for a world that no longer exists. Yep. And so we wanted we wanted to prepare students for the world that actually is. And I think this model that that you outline in the chapter really does that, this three R's of of worldview transformation. So can you kind of take us through that? What does that look like in leading the next generation and kind of helping them build a lasting faith?
0: Yeah. Well, over the years, and as I just reflected on the research and reflected biblically and tried to just talk to people and talk to students, talk to parents and talk to leaders, I wanted to find something that was hopefully sticky in terms of what we could approach in terms of how we can help shape the, the worldview of the next generation. And as we all know, if you work with students or you're a parent, you can't choose for your student or your kids as much as we want to. Um, so we can't choose. We can't control that. And we, don't, we can't control what God is going to do. God is going to do what he's going to do in his providence. So what are the things that we can influence? And that's what I like to call this three R's of worldview transformation. And I'll go, I'll mention them briefly, and then I'll kind of go into each one. The first one is reasons, The second one is rhythms, and the third one is relationships. So reasons, rhythms, and relationships. Those are things we can influence. So reasons, why is that important? Students need to know what they believe and why they believe it. And They've inherited a culture that has told them that spiritual and moral knowledge don't exist. They've inherited a culture which relativizes everything in that regard, and everything has now been reduced to power plays, and alliances, and kind of this tribalism of us versus them kind of mentality. So for a student to grow a strong worldview, they must understand and have reasons for faith. Why is that important? Um, well, it's commanded, number one, in Scripture, that we're, we're always to set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts, always being ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, yet do it with gentleness and respect, right? 1 Peter 3.15. And that's that's key. We're supposed to contend for the faith once and for all delivered For the saints, and that's Jude 3. And so, what does that look like? It means there is a body of truth that is Christianity. So, think of this as the grammar piece of learning like a language. Like, whether or not you think it's true or not, Christianity is a certain kind of thing. Uh, Jesus is fully God and fully human. The Trinity is a distinctive of the Christian worldview Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One what and three who's, right? One God, three persons. So, there's things like that. That go with Christianity. There's a what circle. If you're kind of drawing that out mentally or on a page, um, if you're driving, don't draw right now. But like take a break. Home, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make sure. But and draw another circle and put that in the why. And that's the, how do we know this is true? Right. And and we know this from both general and special revelation, meaning truth inside the Bible and then outside the Bible. And truth is what corresponds to reality. So they they need to know that. God exists, that truth exists, you've got um, truth is knowable, that relativism is not a good idea, that tolerance is not agreement with other people. Um, They need to know that they've got good reasons why Jesus rose from the dead and that you can trust the Bible. And they need reasons why God's way of understanding his good character and his commands actually are for human flourishing when it comes to gender and sexuality, for example. Uh, There's so much harm being done right now because people are living at cross grain with the way that God designed the world. And to be truly compassionate and loving, we need to encourage people in the direction of God's good design even in a fallen world where that gets messy and hard. But that's those are things that are part of that worldview, those reasons. And we've got to give students those reasons. Right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's a huge part of what we're what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I what we always tell students is don't be afraid to ask God your questions because those reasons are there, you know, Faith is reasonable, (laughs) and it's it doesn't have to be blind. It doesn't need to be.
0: Yeah, Christians have been thinking about this for a long time. That's right. right. This is not new, Um, and so you don't have to worry that somebody's going to ask a question that no one has ever thought of before. Um, There are reasonable answers to life's biggest questions.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, what do we mean when we say that next one? Relationships.
0: Yeah. So relationships. This is critical because students, if they're going to be formed in a worldview. They need wise relationships. They need um, people around them who they can run with um, as they pursue Christ in their day-to-day lives. They need it for encouragement. They also need it for reinforcement. They need it for accountability. They need it for sharpening, all of those things. And so um, the kind of wise relationships that students need, obviously they need a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God, not a transactional relationship or a my parents' kind of relationship with God, but, but a personal relationship with God. They need um, relationship, healthy relationship with their parents insofar as that's possible. Um, not every situation makes that possible, but where, wherever it is possible, they need healthy relationships with mom and dad and, and grandparents. They also need healthy relationships and wise relationships from mentors who, who can invest in them. And then really almost more than any other factor right now that will determine the worldview trajectory Of a young person, a teenager is who they surround themselves with. Mm -hmm. And really this comes down to the question of belonging. Where do I belong? And if they find their belonging in a group that doesn't share their Christian worldview, guess what's going to erode over time. And even sometimes pretty quickly, their Christian worldview, right? They, this is another word for this generation is, is the isolated or lonely generation. And so if they're feeling insecure and somebody sees them and hears them and, and welcomes them, they, they desperately need that that's part of one of the needs that God has built into all of us but if they receive that in a place that doesn't share their Christian worldview, that's going to be working at odds with that. But what's so powerful is when you overlap those circles of the is Christianity true peace with the where do I belong peace And if those come together with believers where they belong, man that's that you've got you've got a strong tie going there. so they need wise relationships Proverbs 13:20. He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. And so we need to help set the table for them to have wise relationships.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, what we see in students a lot of times is those when students have wise relationships, that's catalytic. It's, you know, it's iron sharpening iron. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we see we see both parties grow. Right. Um, we also, you know, when we interview students for the fellows program. We ask them, do you have a mentor? Do yeah. you have somebody that, that is pouring into you um, and just just really, really wise thing to have? And then finally, that, that last piece, that last R is rhythms. What do we mean when we say rhythms, that students need rhythms to grow?
0: Yeah, so the, the rhythms piece is just what are those steady practices in your life that help you grow and change? Sometimes they're called spiritual practices. Sometimes they're called spiritual disciplines. Sometimes they're called spiritual rhythms. But the idea is, what are those consistent ways which I'm indirectly putting myself in a position to be changed by the Holy Spirit by Scripture? So, for example, solitude. Mm-hmm. You know, we as as loud and as busy as our culture is, um, as the saturation point continues to. Happen with digital devices and phones and everything else. We gotta have solitude and silence and some reflection in there somewhere, to be growing as as a disciple of Jesus. Otherwise, we're just being relentlessly conformed to the pattern of this world. Um, we gotta have a time where we're being generous, or we're fasting, or we're giving, or we're in fellowship, or the confession, like we. We confess our sins to one another, not because we find forgiveness in the confessing it to one another, but, but there's something powerful that goes on right. when I tell the truth about what I need forgiveness for to someone else and then receive that free gift from God in in that forgiveness or the, or the discipline of submission. That one is not popular. It never has been because sin is a thing. And right. since the garden, we all want to be God. And so, you know, submission is important for all of us because... We are not the ultimate authority mm-hmm. and we have to learn ways of practicing that, deferring to others, some of those kind of things like that. And so what are those rhythms that you arrange your life around that help in the process of being conformed to the image of your son? And one of the things that's so fun about that, Mitch, I know you mentioned we get to do this with all of our high school and college students with our summer experiences, our, our gap year, our fellows, but it's also so fun to see this in our master's experience that um, Dr. John Basie leads. Because they get to get a master's in leadership, but then they also get to emphasize whether leadership or spiritual formation. They get to practice this, be involved with our fellows, as well as their own course of study in this just amazing environment That's that really helps them over those couple of years to be transformational leaders that our culture needs. And so just a quick plug, we we still have some spots open for masters for the coming fall. So if you're hearing this and you know someone who would like to get a master's degree in leadership, but do it in the context of building a strong worldview and learning how to practice your faith and being shaped spiritually and learning how to lead the next generation well with all the cutting-edge stuff we get to do with Gen Z here, then definitely go to impact360.org and check that out, as well as um, our fellows' applications and summer experiences and all that stuff. We want to come alongside you because we've built these kinds of things, these three R's and our no-be-live philosophy into all that we do here because it's about shaping the whole person by the power of the Spirit and by grace. So, anyway, those are just a couple of ways those rhythms come into play. And we all need them. And the, and the goal, Mitch, as you know, is not to become really good at rhythms, it's to become more like Jesus. That's
1: right. This is that yoke that Jesus talked about, where he says, you know, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to give you this way that you can carry all the burdens of light. That's what he talks about. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned masters because, of course, I work here, and so I, I get to see it firsthand and these people are my friends but you know i the master's program is truly unique Mm -hmm. it's really this this thing where not only are you getting you're able to get this master's degree but talk about the three r's you're doing it reasons rhythms relationships you're helping and not only are you practicing this for yourself you're getting to pour into the next generation in that way and so yeah i mean i I've not seen anything like it.
0: Uh, yeah, it's going to uniquely prepare leaders who can work with the next generation and and bring all that to bear and have the experience, not just the degree, which is so fun. Um, yeah, and love love these men and women that God's brought here for sure. And so one of the things I think this is just, I want to emphasize, Mitch, is that worldview formation is intentional. Yeah. It's not going to happen. That's why Paul said in Romans twelve two do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's, what, what comes naturally is being conformed to the pattern of this world. Yeah, We don't have to try at that. That's just going to happen. That's right. What we have to intend and set ourselves up for and create environments for is for worldview formation to occur. It is more than just how we think, but it's not less than how we think. And it's more than who we're becoming, but it's not less than who we're becoming. And it's more than how we live this out, but it's not less than that. And so all those things go together. So
1: Jonathan, obviously there are challenges that we face. What would you say to our listeners as just a way of encouragement as we whether you're you're a student or a parent, how can we be encouraged as we as we grow in our faith?
0: Yeah, absolutely. What I'd say to to parents and leaders and people who work with the next generation is don't lose heart. You know, first Corinthians fifteen, fifty eight says So then, brothers and sisters, be firm or stand firm. Do not be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Don't grow weary in doing what's good. Even if you don't see the immediate results, stay after it. Pray, sow good seed, love deeply, encourage, instruct, equip, champion. You know, fight for the hearts and minds of the next generation. And if you're a student listening to this, know that Christianity is true. There's good reasons that it's true. And it's the best way to live following Jesus because it cooperates with the way God made the world. And this is his world and you're made in his image. And so we want to help with that. Also don't be discouraged in that there's challenges. There's always been challenges. Christianity has never been popular (laughs) uh, in the sense that everybody just found it accepting. And it was like, yay, Jesus is the only way we all want to celebrate that. No, that's That hasn't been the case. And so just because there's challenge, it doesn't mean it's not true, and it doesn't mean it's not the best way to live. Every generation of Christ followers has lived at the intersection of faith and culture. This is our turn. We've got unique challenges, unique opportunities, but the gospel and the Christian worldview shines in every one of them. Just different aspects get to do that. So don't lose heart and and fight for what's true and and really live out what God is calling you to do, and we'd love to be a part of that here at Impact360.
1: That's excellent. And I'm, I'm encouraged by that, Jonathan. I, I hope that you are, too. Um, if you're challenged or encouraged by what you heard today, check out impact360.org. We want to be on mission with you. So check it out. Um, this resource, obviously, on the podcast, but, but tons of others in our programs. We mentioned masters. Um, we want to be on mission with you. So, Jonathan, thanks for letting me have your seat today, man. Uh, this was fun, and, and I, I, I really appreciate it. So, and thank you for listening. We, we appreciate you so much and, and want to be an ally for you. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time.
0: For more information about our on-campus worldview and leadership experiences for students and our accessible online courses like Explore Truth and Explore the Resurrection, visit impact360.org. Impact 360 Institute. No. B. Live.